Okay. (laughs) Your teeth look great. They look super white, by the way. Your nails. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, Hi, I'm TT. And I'm Ange. And welcome back to IO, your weekly chat discussing tech, culture, finance, and entertainment. And everything in between. Well, not really everything in between, but there's some overlap a lot of times. Um, This week, we are talking about companies who are now reinstating 401k matches after taking them away. We got Activision Blizzard being acquired by Microsoft. Walmart is getting into NFTs and crypto and YouTube originals is shutting down. So where do you want to start? Let's talk about 401ks. Okay. So basically companies during the pandemic were like, y'all don't need a pension. Y'all don't need a safety net. Y'all don't need a backup plan. You might not even live to C60. So we're going to snatch away your retirement. And then once people started leaving these toxic Mm -hmm. environments, they're like, just kidding. Maybe we can like not only reinstate your pension, we'll boost the employee match by one or 2%. And some guy even had the nerve to say that this is the more benevolent choice in giving people higher salaries, because this is money that is an investment as opposed to income that's going to be taxed. Yeah. I mean, is he wrong or is the whole system just kind of a mess? Uh, I feel like the issue, the issue, it is good that the great resignation is happening. It is good that there's a real reckoning um, that's happening around compensation because the cost of living in this country is just going higher and higher and we're just seeing inflation really take off it starts to take off in 2021 and truthfully uh the competition around getting better talent paying talent better also contributes to that bigger inflation and economic cycle um but it's what are we going to do what's the right answer where do we go from here I think it's still trifling to be like investing in your retirement by one to 2%, which is only an employee match. That's not even like you're just being benevolent. It's I'll give up a little bit if you give up a lot of it. So it still doesn't feel fair or equitable to me. And it's also not money that I'm going to see tomorrow. Yeah. So if we're talking about what I need in my day-to-day life and how that's going to prevent me from leaving when you have like the moratorium on evictions is about to expire for some people or like student loans may or may not be canceled. When you're talking about urgent scenarios Mm -hmm. saying that I'll increase your 401k match, not contributions match by one to 2% feels like window dressing. Mm -hmm. That's true. That's definitely true. And I, especially when you look at a lot of these companies that were included in this study were like, blue chip to kind of mid-tier size companies. These are companies that have, you know, large amounts of cash on their balance sheet um, and are also participating in these big shareholder buyback, you know, um, executions. So they're reinvesting in the kind of overall enterprise value of these companies without giving, putting money back in their employees' pockets. Mm -hmm. 
on pay. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. agree with you. Pay people more, let people afford the lifestyle that living in America across the board costs. Yeah. Uh, It just sounds to me like, can you imagine your company furloughing you or firing you, breaking up with you effectively, and then being like, you can't find anyone better than me. You know, good luck finding somebody that'll treat you as well as I ever did. And then two months later, it's like, actually, I was just playing. I was just playing. Come get this 2%. I'll match your 401k again. And I'm supposed to come back? Mm-hmm. Because where else are you going to go? That's what they're betting on. Um, well, Facebook does do a one-to-one match. So they'll do up to $10,000 of whatever you contribute, dollar for dollar. Oh, which doesn't, you know, I don't like Facebook, but that's, that's cute. I feel like I would prefer the percentage match versus the, well, I guess it's, I feel like I would prefer the percentage match, right? Over a dollar for dollar up to a max dollar amount match. A lot of times those percentage matches are capped too, though. They are. That's true. Sometimes they're capped on the low end. Sometimes they're capped at like 3%. On the high end, you know, maybe they'll do up to 10%, but yeah, rarer and rarer these days. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, it's still predicated on, I have to still pay into this program in order for Mm -hmm. me to even benefit from it. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. Um, close, but no cigar, y'all try again next year. Yes. Speaking of leadership. Okay. Get into it. Um, Activision. So Microsoft is acquiring Activision for about $70 billion. Mm. And they announced this earlier today. It is going to be, you know, with this acquisition, I believe that Microsoft becomes the third largest gaming company globally. Mm. And it is definitely one for the books that DOJ will be watching, I feel like. Microsoft acquired um, Bethesda Games late last year, another huge gaming company. And it's interesting to see how all of this consolidation is going to play out and if the DOJ is even going to let it go through. I mean, you mentioned Facebook before. They're also dealing with a litany of issues in this area when it comes to monopolies and the metaverse and VR and all of those things. Um, But what have you been reading? What have you been thinking about this Activision deal? Well, one, antitrust and tech is just not going to happen because no one gets it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. they're like... Remember when they they don't explain to the Congress people what Finstas were? Oh, that's that's so advanced for them. I think they're still trying to understand what the WW and W all stand for. Like it's it's a web that's worldwide. So trying to do like web three, like what is that? What a metaverse? What is that? And yeah. the idea of like regulating even within America, let alone something that crosses borders, they don't know what to do with that. So if we're talking about a gaming company being acquired with intentions of like integrating things into this cloud pass gaming subscription, like no one even knows what their intentions are. They couldn't be able to label this uh, a merger, an acquisition, an Apple hire. A, they, I can hardly wrap my mind around it. So I know that Chuck Schumer cannot wrap his mind around it. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, it just, another thing that kind of bothers me about this whole thing is just the windfall that 
Activision CEO is going to get from this, even though he's at the center of so much controversy at this company. So many, you know, sexual harassment allegations and cases still exist. And the way that Microsoft kind of tiptoed around this in their recent press being like, mm-hmm. nobody's perfect. Yeah. Very Nicki Minaj, I'm the bad guy. Not like, that's yeah. not, that's not Nicki No, it's giving Logan Roy for sure. Mm-hmm. It's giving, go ahead and like, find our uh, cousin Greg and make this go away. Mm-hmm. But consequences, never heard of them. Yeah. And then the other thing was the CEO of Xbox was like, we're not going to get into virtue shaming, which was a new phrase to me. I've heard of virtue signaling. I have never heard of virtue shaming, which I guess is like, we've all done bad things. So I'm not going to say that, you know, these people should be in trouble for ignoring sexual assault allegations when we hired a schoolgirls as entertainment at one of our gaming conferences in 2016 which is which is bad which is bad but I think that's different than having a record of assault with employees who've actually yeah. flagged this to you yeah a walkout of employee I think it was over 2,000 employees who participated in the virtual walkout that was last year that was last crazy fall. crazy and but the man- gaming industry isn't known for being like hospitable or like this is true yeah we gotta do, hopefully you know we'll do better in worlds and metaverses that other people are creating that's a good point so speaking of the metaverse we got walmart of all people trying to launch a cryptocurrency and nft mm. collection mm. i'm gonna be real with you i don't hate it So I think that this is going to be so interesting for like economists and historians to look back on if these things succeed, like Mm -hmm. 50 years from now, because this, this is, this is one of the actual tangible experiences that I think could really move a large portion of people toward adopting, Mm -hmm. you know, crypto, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, like if Walmart is capable of like moving a material portion of their customers off of a fiat currency and onto their essentially their own currency, think about what other major corporations could do mm-hmm. and the changes that are created from that. What do you do when the value of the Walmart dollar um, and the Facebook coin and the McDonald's token are all trading and all have values that people exchange for without actually using, you know, fiat money, without actually using American dollars. So yeah. the virtual economies and the money that can be made um, in this moment, if these things really take off, are super interesting to me. But yeah. so much of, I feel like so much of the adoption, um, so much of what people get wrong with adoption right now is just making things way too clunky, way too cumbersome. Mm -hmm. You see so many people with examples of getting money stolen out of their digital wallets. I am very curious to see how Walmart kind of rolls this out. I think that having a currency is way more, um, could be way more impactful given their line of business than a lot of the virtue signaling of saying that we're going to play in the metaverse that a lot of corporations are doing right Uh now. I think they're doing both though. 
they are to your point they are doing both i think they filed like a number of patents or something or trademarks rather mm-hmm. um, they definitely want to do both when people talk about like in the future in the metaverse they kind of talk about these almost second life type of worlds that will exist mm-hmm. and i argue that the metaverse is just the internet and the internet just is what it exists as right now. It's just like what platforms or what pathways are you going to use to connect with other people? They may not look like Instagram anymore. They may not look like Facebook, but it's not some sort of um, matrix type of world that you're gonna live full time in, at least not in the near future. I think it's all of the above though. I don't think it's that binary. I think it'll be as much of your life as you want it to be. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, like you, you don't have to have an Instagram account, but I, like I don't have an Insta publicly, but I do know that people are using it for uses outside of just like socializing. Some people are using it for business. Some people are using it to create. Some people are using it to make long form content. Yeah. Some people are using it for shopping. Like it's what you make it. All technology <laughs> is going to be what you make it. It can be the way that you eat or it could be the way you find your next recipe or it could be, and I mean this literally, it could literally be like you're a creator and your money comes from being paid on Instagram, you're eating because of Instagram, or you're like literally sourcing recipes from hashtags. So mm-hmm. I think that the use cases are super broad and varied. What excites me about Walmart is I think that they they um, they operate in a lot of different financial spaces but in ways that I hadn't thought about, but people use green dot cards as like um, an alternative to being a bank yeah. consumer or mm-hmm. people- Many um, cities, that's totally right. Say it again. I said several underbank communities really depend on the ecosystem. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really interesting to me about cryptocurrency is I feel like people on either end of this bell curve in terms of economic status are the ones who are really, really leaning into it. It's Mm -hmm. not so much like the middle class, I think, that's adopted it. It's people who are like in these um, developing areas, like I think El Salvador has adopted it as an official crypto or as an official currency. Yeah. Um, and then it's these people who are like pie in the sky. I'm trying to get to Mars. You can now buy Teslas with Dogecoin. But mm-hmm. there's like, there's this polarity that I find super, super interesting with this specific technology. And I'm excited to see if Walmart is able to, to make this mainstream and demystify it and make it useful as opposed to like another chance for people to be predatory with another technology, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and- I think that the winners, the winners here, and what's interesting about how people have been able to win from 2021's bull run with NFT and kind of the larger adoption of Web3 technology is just about like early adoption, like being early to something and letting, excuse me, letting that thing accrue value mm-hmm. and pay real money. You know, mm-hmm. people were able to sell assets, um, whether those were tokens or images or NFTs um, for money that they could use for down payments for their homes, for all sorts of things. But it is in the, I think to reach a critical mass, it's going to have to be super easy to onboard Mm -hmm. um, and really easy for people to understand. And I think Walmart is positioned to really have the money to do that correctly in a way smaller projects just you know these are yeah. these people with marketing or organizational behavioral backgrounds you know they understand the tech but they don't they don't understand how to bring it to the people so yeah real and far be it for me to like cap for a corporation or like i know me me 
capping for yeah. Walmart. Yeah, but I I do yeah. think that there is a, a big opportunity to help a lot of people and decentralized finance is interesting for a number of different reasons. I also yeah. think that like we're talking about just the crypto, but from an NFT perspective, um, what really annoys me the most about these metaverse conversations is I don't think that there's enough, um, there's not enough connection between the real world and the, the digital world. Like there are ways for us to, to make these online transactions have some, some impact in our everyday lives. And I don't think people have really gone beyond art at this point um, or like art that might have value in the real world for whatever reason, but even just experimenting with like design softwares or like the Best Buy app and seeing how AR and VR is used for like solving practical issues that I have in my home on a regular basis. Be What does this item look like in my space? Or mm-hmm. um, I mean, a lot of it is what does this item look like in my space? But if we could get beyond just visuals and actual utility, I think that'd be really interesting. Yeah. And I think Walmart is such a utilitarian company that there's mm-hmm. a lot of room to experiment on. How can we take something digital and make it useful in the physical realm? Yeah, um, I think the projects, at least the projects that I've been able to do to go beyond just the images or the promise of the franchise that could be built on said image um, could be in this last year, it's really been about unlocking a sort of like membership or community utility mm-hmm. around what that token represents. And I think that could be what this becomes. That could be one of the many things that this becomes for Walmart. Like what does what does a subscription through this type of asset or through this type of tool um, give you access to the data that's created from that? The, mm-hmm. the fact that this type of data could be on chain um, mm-hmm. when it comes to a lot of your consumption habits um, and all of the things that Walmart has to offer could help them improve services, could help you figure out like how to better, it could help them with like their supply chain, could help you figure out how better to plan for the things that you may need and how you engage with this company. There are a lot of things that could happen there, but I think it really, at least the first kind of use case really is unlocking some sort of membership or access or subscription and community but people are experimenting like there have been some music related things with nfts that have come out Mm -hmm. it's still super hard because the copyright issues around that are really tricky Mm -hmm. um one funny example a complete aside before we move on is there was a group of people that got together to buy one of the original manuscripts for dune i don't know if you saw this over the weekend and they they raised nearly two and a half uh, million pounds to buy this manuscript. And I think they sold it on the promise to their community that like, oh, now that we have this manuscript, we're gonna, you know, create like, you know, entertainment things based on it. And it's like, just because you buy a Bible doesn't mean like Passion of the Christ is going straight to Netflix from your little (laughs) people are like do you not understand that hbo owns like the anyway so i feel like it's still the use cases are still being figured out Mm -hmm. um but i agree with you walmart may be the person to get there to really understand it to see 
I just want to see. And like someone else said, it's so low stakes with all this digital stuff. Yeah. Or maybe not. I mean, it didn't work out for YouTube originals and that was all digital. Oop. Oop. <laughs> Banding and consolidating. I feel like this YouTube. So with YouTube, um, I see that YouTube originals is shutting down. They were in business for about six or so years. One of the companies that I worked at previously really focused on churning out Gen Z content um, mm -hmm. through these, you know, uh, relatively lucrative YouTube original deals. Mm -hmm. um, I think YouTube just recognizes, you know, we're one of the big girls at the table and we should just put our money and our efforts into what's working. So a study came out earlier this year um, from Variety that showed that 40% of American like media consumption is user generated content. The mm -hmm. And that scales even higher the further down you go in age demos. Mm -hmm. So kids are just spending a lot more time watching YouTubers, streamers, TikTokers. And as a company and a platform, it makes so much more sense for them to just give money through their creator funds to help their creators keep people on the platform as long as possible and make more ad revenue rather than the very cumbersome and very expensive process of being in entertainment. I don't disagree with you. It almost feels like, and let me know if this is a bad analogy. It feels like kind of how Amazon went from being a marketplace to selling basics, which actually worked for them though. But they're effectively becoming competitors with the people who are sustaining them at this point. Yes. So if YouTube is like based on user-generated content and then all of a sudden you come in and you're like, okay, well, let's look at the data from these creators content and try to replicate their success on our own. Um, I think you risk some cannibalization if you don't do it well. Exactly. Um, and also, if you're copying me, I'm already two steps ahead of you. And it also just did not fit within the framework of what was successful on their platform. For like, sure. look, like Cobra Kai, for example. For sure. Like three or four seasons of a YouTube original, it gets to Netflix and it it's like a global top 10. Like people mm -hmm. actually started watching it in droves. Mm -hmm. And Understanding how your audience engages with your platform and optimizing for that mm -hmm. is just the smartest way to operate. It's like people are not coming to YouTube for um, the latest and greatest, you know, Gen Z series, but they mm -hmm. are coming to watch, you know, Gen Z kids, kids react to yeah. content that's out there so and I guess that's the difference between like the Amazon example and YouTube is Amazon is literally Amazon is literally copying what their uh, yeah. market is doing yeah well that's you know Jeff and then well Jeff no longer is you know at the officially at the head He's but Mr. Riches. That <laughs> <laughs> and like the Waystar Royco you know Lex Luthor Corp they're more in that boat yeah. Yeah. But I think your point is well made that YouTube originals was like trying to make complimentary content and it, was it wasn't sticking. Wasn't eating. It wasn't giving. It wasn't. We're taking away their plate. But they're still keeping, I think it's interesting the things they chose to keep. So they're keeping black voices. And I'm like, did y'all ever really invest in black creators? Yeah, the data. Like, I know they do a, a little spotlight every so often on like, what is it? Kim and Diara, Diara and Kim. You know, they broke up. Uh-uh. 
yep but <laughs> i'm just saying like apart yeah, from um so like they do a little black history month rah 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 yeah. a little hbcu moment for uh-huh. the ACL girls here's jackie and Anna. here's it's my ray ray and then um and then that's kind of it Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully in abdicating this interest, why did I use the word abdicating in kind of moving this interest away from YouTube originals, hopefully they do give those funds to their creator funds and really support not just the kind of 1% tier of creators that are already known cross platform, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. really invest in some of these younger or newer rather budding talents that are keeping new audiences on the platform. I just don't, I don't see it because didn't they experiment with this a while ago? Like Issa Rae was part of that, um, that first little cohort they had where they were just giving money directly to creators. And the Maybe. show, it could have been just a different era. Like I can't, I don't want to say that it didn't work then so it won't work now. Um, but they are still putting money into Black Voices, YouTube Kids. That feels smart. Oh, money up and down. Like yeah. the part of entertainment, there's, there, I mean, entertainment can be uh, successful in many different ventures, but kids' content just exists in this golden tier in my mind. Number one, because the content can be evergreen, you know? Children can, cont- like, how many of us? have been caught up in this Elmo, like culture resurgence, Elmo versus Rocco that's happening right now. You know, the content can be evergreen. The ancillary products, like the merch and CPG, like all of the, all of the goods that can be created around that, Mm -hmm. the market for that is just so much bigger than what it is for kind of more premium adult, you know, scripted stuff that you may see on like an HBO or something like that. So Ryan's toys and the rest of the gang, super semi, like the rest of those types of programs that are on YouTube kids, it makes total sense for them to really lean into that business. Yeah. So they're keeping that. They're doing creator shorts, just like, I don't know. We're going to say reels. Well, babes, I don't know. How many ways are we going to say this is a TikTok? Yeah. it's beta. We'll, we'll just see what happens. Like it's, you've never seen this before, right? It's a beta. It's new. It's like, is, is it? Yeah. I don't know. They would have to, it feels very secondary um, and not particularly additive, additive to their experience, but that is taking me down like a UX rabbit hole and like how you would actually want to reorient the app if you really wanted to prioritize shorts over yeah. long form video. In short, shouldn't be a priority to them as a company because the ad revenue really comes from longer videos that they can put ad spots against. So, yeah. But speaking of revenue, though, they're also keeping money for the live shopping divisions. I guess not they're keeping it, but they're diverting some of the funds to live shopping. Mm. Well, that is a new and exciting area um, that Mm -hmm. I've seen a few different startups uh at least stateside start to invest money in uh live shopping is a really big experience in asia specifically in china that has done really well it's a big big experience 
the Bible Belt. Quiet as it's kept. I know a couple of Facebook millionaires, no lie, who just get on Facebook, have a little garage sale on Sunday live stream and make buckets. What are we like? What are we doing here? Why are we here? <laughs> Why are we here? The We're girls starting- in Alabama, the girls in Mississippi, they will have these no lie TT, these ugly leggings ugly fringe dresses terrible mm-hmm. ruffle t-shirts selling them beauty is in the eye of the beholder okay i mean yeah. money is in the money is in the hand of those women so maybe i need to get with it yeah you know Regardless what of what i think is cute it's time for you to get your butt down to home goods buy up all the ray dunn merchandise mm-hmm. and start yeah so on that note, I think I'm going to leave to go make a new business plan. There we go. Um, it's been nice knowing you. I hope that these people enjoyed the first and last episode of the IO show because I have to go with <laughs> the coin. It's cool. I'm going to transcend into the metaverse and do a workout with uh, Mark, a one-on-one. Mm, smart girl. Go straight to the source. Exactly. All right. Well, that's been the IO show for this week. We'll talk to you guys. Wait, you know, you get the last word. Go. Oh, no, no, you got it. Till next time. Till next time. Bye. Bye. Now I'm going to have to.